All right, welcome back to those who tuned in for the first episode, and welcome for the first time to those of you who are listening for the first time to episode two. I know it's been a long time since uh, I was able to do the first episode to now, but there's a big reason why there was a delay. First of all, um, you know, being new to the whole podcasting with Anchor, which is where I'm launching these podcasts from, the shout-outs to Anchor for making this app because, uh, honestly, I'm not sure when I would have started doing podcasts if it wasn't for Anchor. So, shout-outs to them. But I didn't know all the background of how long it would take for my first podcast to get on multiple platforms. Um, I think Spotify might have been the first big platform that it got on, but come to find out, a lot of people that I know don't listen to podcasts on Spotify. They listen to their music on there. Sorry, Spotify. Shout-outs to YouTube, but it just don't go down like that. So, um, it took forever and a day for, um, Apple to finally, uh, you know, accept me into their fold. Shout out to Apple for doing that. Even though, you know, I don't buy Apple products like that, but, you know, it seems like, you know, y'all the big boys on the block when it comes to podcasts. So, you know, I really had to wait until... I got the invite from them to, you know, come on in. So finally that happened. But unfortunately, sometime shortly after I got word that um, Apple Podcasts uh, put my first episode up, um, I had a uh, surgery that I had to get scheduled. And uh, that put a delay. I didn't want to... uh, do a podcast from the hospital but I thought the hospital stay was just going to be a week at most it turned out to be some extraordinary bullshit but um, I'm gonna get into that in a hot second because you know with this being a watch the progression podcast I want y'all to understand that you know I am going to be talking about you know my current state what I've been through what I'm currently going through and, you know, good news that's on the horizon as it comes. So, uh, to backtrack a bit, for those of you that don't know, um, again, I know, should have said this in the beginning, I am Honest Talib, Talib, you can call me that in the streets, Honest Talib, got that name (laughs) decades ago, and, uh, you know, it actually works for what I'm doing. Um, so, yeah, I'm s- suffering through a lot of maladies. Um, main one being, uh, oh, you know, obesity is obviously uh, one that I'm dealing with trying to, you know, get the weight down. Uh, diabetes as well, but my diabetes isn't like, off the charts kind of there's like levels to this and 
right now I'm currently you know still at a good level hopefully you know it's going to stay that way but um also dealing with lymphedema which for those of you that don't know is um basically the lymph nodes in my lower part of my body is not really um working at its optimal levels so there's a lot of excess fluid that gets like trapped so i get a lot of swelling and um, sometimes wounds develop from that it's, it's a big mess uh so um you know i'm dealing with that and that kind of leads me into why i ended up in the hospital so had this wound that was a lymphatic wound that wasn't healing on the bottom of my right foot and so uh, the doctor uh suggested that you know he do an operation on it i was like all right cool i've been in the hospital many times throughout my life but especially since 2014 it's definitely more than 10 times i've been in the hospital for something or other um uh, different uh, times i've had infections and i'm unfortunately easily susceptible to infections because i've had cellulitis that's another thing um and uh had a pulmonary embolism which is a basically a blood clot in the lung different types of things i've been in the hospital so at this point i really i really really hate going to the hospital so you know doctor said that you know you come in on a friday they uh make sure my levels are good enough for the surgery get surgery on monday bed rest for four days you back home friday right that's how it was supposed to be so um the dates are kind of like a little right now i don't remember exactly what the date was but i do remember that it was the friday before the chicago bears played the new england patriots so whatever Sunday that game was the Friday before that is when I went in um and I was supposed to be back before you know um I guess uh by the time the Jets and the Bears played I should have been home by then but uh unfortunately it didn't work out that way or was it the Bills I know they played those three teams like back to back like all that um afce shit so it was either the bills or the jets was the next game and i was expected to come home by then so now sit back and realize so this is a store fucking re okay story i go in now i will tell you that um uh due to some um knee pain and stuff like that i have been uh using a walker i was previously in a um physical rehab and um there were times when i could get around with a cane but then you know um right before i went in i was using a walker and I was walking around fine. Like, if you saw me with the walk, I wasn't, like, struggling to take a step. Like, I was 
using the walker just as an insurance more than anything else. So I go to the hospital on a Friday, walking in fine with the walker, bye-bye. Monday comes, they do the surgery. I wake up from the surgery, and they're asking me, because I'm a big guy, they don't want to do the work to um, like transfer me from the operating table to the stretcher to take me back to my room. So they're like, can you do it? So, you know, I'm kind of groggy, but I'm like, yeah, sure. So I transfer myself from the thing, from the operating room to the stretcher. Then I get on the stretcher, they bring me to my room, then they want me to transfer myself again from the uh, stretcher to the hospital bed in my room. I do it. Um, Go to sleep, I wake up. Um, maybe an hour after I wake up, I notice like there's a lot of pain in my left arm and I'm like, where the hell did this happen? So, um, all of a sudden the pain is so bad, can't move my arm. It's locked in a position. It's a bent position. I can't move it. Um, now I'm like, yo, what the hell? And they're like, oh, you know, maybe something happened during the operation your arm might have been left in a bad position. And I'm like, why? Why would you, you know, there was nothing going on with my arm. Why would my arm be left in some awkward position? And they're like, oh, we don't know, but that's possible. So they do uh, x-ray and, you know, come to find out they see a fracture. Uh, Long story short, um... The fracture was old, but with the MRI that they subsequently did, they could see, um, they could see like there was damage to the area, excess fluid there based on something that happened in the operating room. I'm getting better, so a suit will be coming. (laughs) Trust and believe, but that's another story. So now that I had this surgery, they don't want me to um, put any weight on my feet because where the surgery was done, my arm is locked. So I'm like in the bed barely moving, you know what I mean? Because it's like a lot of pain, like the pain was crazy. So because of that and because I was recently like, what was it, in May of this year, I was in a physical rehab, like, um, the muscles in my right leg started to wane, and, uh, you know, when they wanted to test me on my, um, stability on Friday, all of a sudden, it's hard for me to get up out of the bed. Now, I will tell you that because of something that happens later in this story I know that they were doing so much stuff incorrect that it was putting me in a worse position making um, other injuries flare up and stuff like that because the physical therapy team was just all off they were there's basic ways to get up out of a bed if you have like knee issues or any joint issues, you know, um, you're supposed to push off the bed 
get up and then grab whatever you need to grab it, whether it's your cane, your walker or whatever to start walking. You know, they had me for some odd reason, they had me um, like reach up to the walker and then try to pull myself up. Now, this made very little sense because I still was dealing with pain in my arm. And when you're trying to make your shoulders bear all your weight, like it, it's it's not going to work. So there was a whole mess with that. So they're seeing that I can't, uh, I can't, uh, how do you say? Um, I can't get up out of bed and walk around and such. So they're like, oh, he should go to uh, rehab, physical rehab. So I'm like, oh, my God, like I was supposed to just be here a week and be home, you know, and <laughs> get better and do everything at home. I wasn't, this wasn't supposed to go this way. So now comes the business of finding um a physical rehab that works with my insurance. The one that I went to in Manhattan before didn't have any beds available. Uh, then they were, they told me the whole island of Manhattan didn't have beds available. Okay, yeah, I'm sorry. For those of you who don't know, um, I am born and bred in New York, Harlem mostly. A little bit of Queens, but, uh, you know, mostly um, in Harlem, New York. So they're like, the whole island of Manhattan doesn't have a facility that has beds that takes your insurance. So I'm like, damn. So um, then they mentioned a place in the Bronx. Um, now, typically, you know, when it comes to medical services in the Bronx, I'm a little sketchy because I've seen some stuff with friends that lived in the Bronx, and I'm like, yo. But I was like, okay, you know, I need the rehab. So they found a place, good reviews, boom, boom, boom. And so they're like, okay, yeah, we're going to work that out. And they tried to, and they're like, okay, they accepted you, but they don't currently have beds. So it could be that you're staying in the hospital for weeks on end waiting for them. Or we can send you to Brooklyn to this place called Cobble Hill. Now, I've heard of the neighborhood Cobble Hill, but for those of you not familiar with New York and its particular boroughs, this is really a neighborhood off the trains completely. Like, the closest train is like a good 10-block walk um, into this neighborhood. So this is not a neighborhood that most people are familiar with. It's, you know, kind of hoity-toity, whatever. So heard of it, you know, and I was like, whatever. Let's, um, they're like, either stay here and wait or go there. So I was like, okay, I will go there and, uh, you know, get this done. Now, the first... Uh, physical rehab that I was in in Manhattan. Uh, 
let's just say there were a lot of issues with that one. But as they say, everything is relative. Because this next one that I went to in Brooklyn was so much worse. So much worse in so many ways. I mean... Maybe I will do a, a you know an episode where I go deeper into this, but because there's so many things I do want to cover, I don't want to just harp on this situation. But when I got there, I was like, "Oh my God, I'm not gonna be here. I don't care what they say. I'm not gonna be here for more than two weeks." I got there, I'm going to say, either the first day of um, November or, like, Halloween. It was one of the two. Uh, It was a Thursday, so whatever that Thursday landed on Halloween or November 1st or something like that, that's that's when I got there. So, um, anyway... So it was almost like two weeks in the hospital, just like uh, a day short of two weeks in the hospital, and then I end up into this place. I'll tell you, when the um, ambulant got me to the floor that I was going to stay on, when they pulled the stretcher out of the elevator, and I just looked around, I am telling you without equivocation, I know, and I told them this, and I've been telling everybody I know I'm friends with the same thing. I looked around, and I said, oh, shit, this is like The Shining. It's exact, I mean, not exactly like, you know, because I know some people who are really into The Shining. I'm not saying the layout was exactly like The Shining. I'm saying the vibe that I got. As soon as we got onto that floor, because the first floor looks more like a hospital than anything. Um, But when you get upstairs where the residences are, that's when it was like, oh, shit. Because it gave you that vibe like, you know, maybe in the 40s or 50s, this would have been considered swanky and really posh. But it's like... Whatever was done to refurbish that place back then into, or maybe not refurbish, but furbish that place um, back then, it's like it was in a time capsule. Like nothing has been done to upgrade that place since like the 40s or 50s. It it just looked creepy. And uh, so I was just like, oh my God, like, you know, and I'm not going to get into too much detail, but just to give you an example of how much worse this place was than any other place I've ever been. Now, when you're in a hospital bed or in a uh, rehab, physical rehab facility where there's nurses and nursing aides or whatever, there's usually two objects that... um are, uh, how can I say, are tied to the bed. One is the TV remote, and the other is the nurse's call bell. 
sometimes they're within the same apparatus sometimes they're like separate a lot of times they're separate so um i'm a you know i'm not a germaphobe in the sense that i have an unhealthy fear of other people's germs i've been to the hospital too many times to be the nice guy when it comes to other people's germs because i can't be the nice guy in the hospital i'd rather be the jerk outside the hospital not really a jerk but i'd rather you know definitely say no i'm not cool with that rather than you know hey it's no big deal drop it on the floor pick it back up cool no 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 not in one of those medical facilities like a hospital or a, a rehab spot it goes on the floor it's either getting wiped with some kind of disinfectant or throw it out but anyway so the uh call bell right mm -hmm. is tied to my um uh tied to the uh, bed and um i already came there with the wipes and whatnot so i'm wiping shit down as much as i can um the uh, hospital gave me like a box of their gloves because they knew, knowing my medical situation, like, yo, if he wants gloves for some shit, let him have the gloves. Like, don't make no big deal. So they gave me a box. Um, and one quick thing, when people at this place saw the box of gloves, they so wanted to take for my box of gloves because it was so much better than any shit that they had in their facility. Just to give you an example of how low grade this spot was. But this call bell. I looked at the call bell and my first thing was, you know, I don't know when's the last time they wiped it down. So I go to wipe it. Now where you press the button, I saw all this old red caked on shit. Now, I'm going to tell you this shit looked like dry blood. I can't say for you know, a hundred percent fact that it was dry blood, but I don't understand how somebody's makeup would end up all in the crevices of this um, nurse's call bell. It was to the point that when I pressed down, I could still see blood within the tubing of the button. Like, you know, it's like a long tube with a button on top. So within the tubing, I could see like it, it's all like, um, uh all this crud this red you know dried up crud all on top inside the bell so i was attempting to clean i had my i had gloves on and i'm trying to clean it with these uh clorox wipes and whatnot and i'm getting some of it off but some of it wasn't coming off so i'm like oh, like i can't be here for even a day like having to call a nurse and having to touch this thing you know i'm not gonna keep gloves on 24 7 so i was like all right you know what um based on this call bell i don't trust the remote so i am going to take two of my gloves and i'm going to tie it around each of these objects so that i don't have to worry about touching them ever again they're covered by something that, you know i'm touching it through that i'm covered so I had that for a while and then one day um a nursing manager and one of the nursing aides 
happen to notice it. Now, I will tell you, because I kind of see things for where they are, and I'm, if you got blood or something, if you're giving me something that dirty, whatever the substance is, if it's that dirty, then obviously y'all ain't on your shit when it comes to cleaning. And me complaining about it is probably going to get like a really bad cleanup job because if you couldn't clean this or just throw it away like if it is blood just just throw it out just let it go it's not worth the trouble you know what i mean get a new one whatever if you can't go through that much and this is how you know you're putting a brand new patient into a bed with something like that then you know you ain't about your shit so like me complaining isn't going to get my desired result so i didn't complain i just handled it on my own so they notice it and then they're like why you got the gloves on the thing and so then i tell them and they're like oh it ain't blood it ain't blood and i'm like wait a minute first of all and i didn't say this to them because i knew i had to deal with them for more days but i'm saying in my head like how the fuck do you know it ain't? You didn't even know there was anything on there to begin with. You know what I mean? It's not like I came here and you're in the middle of cleaning it. You, I was brought to this bed, into this room, and told to this was going to be my place until I was ready to leave. And I had to deal with this on my own. So... Why get defensive now? You know what I mean? Like the time to get defensive, if anything, is before I got there and wonder why was this here? Why was it left like this? Who the hell is in charge of cleaning this area? Why didn't they do their job? That's the time to like raise your voice and do all this extra shit. Not when I'm here. So you know, to appease them, I was like, okay, maybe it's not blood, maybe it's makeup, the fact is, it was all over, it was it within the tubing, it was too much to clean, so I decided to do this, you know, and I'm like, I'm not taking it off, you know what I mean, like, I'm not gonna subject myself to, I don't know what, just to appease y'all, so it's, it's whatever, so they just look at me and like huff and puff and walk off. And I'm just like, just in it. Like I said, there's so much I can talk about this place so much, but I can't spend my whole time talking about it. There's like much more to get on with, but, um, suffice to say, uh, I left there. The Monday after the Bears played the Vikings. Sunday night football, Bears won. <laughs> you know, obviously, yeah, if you don't know it by now, yes, I am a Chicago Bears fan. Been so since 80 fucking three. Well before a lot of y'all was born. Well before some of y'all was into football, whatever the case is. Been a Bears fan, always been. But I'm an illogical Bears fan in the sense that one, you know, there was a year I was praising Caleb Haney. For the way he stepped up in the NFC Championship game against Green Bay when Jay Cutler either got hurt 
or I know got injured or got hurt and didn't want to play anymore. I don't know which one it was, whatever the case is. But, you know, once I realized, you know, Caleb Haney ain't even, you know, like I think uh, your man, uh, <laughs> I think uh, Colin Kaepernick got a better chance of uh, getting in the NFL as a quarterback than Caleb Haney at this point. So. Fact is, I'm a, you know, so I'm not going to be talking about the Bears up and down, whatever. But I'm just letting you know that's how I measured how long I was away from my apartment. So from the time from the Friday before the Bears played the Patriots to the Monday after the Bears played the Vikings, that's how long I was away. And when I got back home that Monday, you know. There was still some pain to get through and such. And then there was a Thanksgiving and blah, blah, blah. You know, just kind of getting back into the whole thing, you know, a routine. And um, because I I only did one episode prior, it wasn't really a routine built. So I really had to focus on um, what... I wanted to talk about or, you know, and when I wanted to give myself time to talk about it. So based on all of that is the long ass explanation as to why such a gap between episode one and episode two. Uh, Believe me, I don't want to go through that again. Um, Don't want any long gaps between episodes. Certainly don't want to be in the hospital anymore. Um, Dr. Lantis, if you're hearing this, you know, no more hospitals to avoid that shit at all costs, right? <laughs> um, a shout out to Dr. Lantis, you know, he's a good guy. Some members of his team are good, not all, and hence why, you know, suit may be coming down the road. But, uh, anyway, uh, yeah. So, yeah, the, you know. It's a long-ass story, and um, you know what? Y'all could hit me up on Twitter, Honest Talib. I mean, at Honest Talib, sorry. And uh, let me know, do you want to hear how this place was actually like The Shining? Because, believe me, my brother synced it, you know, like... When I started pointing shit out to him, he was like, oh, shit. Like, yo, this this is some real shit right here. And he's a fan of The Shining. I mean, I'm a fan of The Shining. So we were able to kind of talk about it. Like, yo, there's some really off shit going on in here. You know? So I could get into it. I won't now. But, man, listen. If I see that there's a... Y'all want to hear about it? I will talk about it because that shit was off brand like a motherfucker in so many ways. So many ways. I mean, it, it, it was like a fucking freaky circus of like in just weird shit like every other day. Just new weird shit. But I'm going to leave you all off on that. And, you know, we're going to drop into the next segment. So get ready for it. Boom. Okay, time for the news. 
Yes, yes, yes. There's been a few things going on in the news that uh, definitely needed to be talked about. First off, of course, your boy 45. I mean, he just don't stop. He just don't stop. I mean, it's just constant stuff going on with him and um, the Mueller investigation. Uh, I mean, there's there's a lot going on. But I just want to tell y'all, like, straight up, like, I think that if you think something huge is going to come off of this, I don't know. I really don't. I think there's just so much happening that he's almost, like, putting himself in a position of, like, those banks as president. Just kind of, like, too big to fail. Like, I mean, mm. I mean, first off, with uh, with Cohen, I'm sure there's going to be a lot revealed uh, in terms of what was Trump doing during the 2016 campaign, trying to get, like, you know, a Trump-Russia, whatever he wanted to call it, Hotel Trump-Moscow, uh, you know, off the ground, and what he was willing to do to uh, sabotage, you know, the presidential elections to get that done and, you know, help the Russians infiltrate in ways that they couldn't normally because, you know, Facebook and Twitter was their own shit, you know what I mean? Like, Trump isn't smart enough to help them on that end, but, you know, there were other places that I'm sure that um, as a presidential nominee... Uh, a serious nominee at some point, yeah, I'm pretty sure that uh, he was able to help them, especially, you know, after the primaries. But, um, you know, what's to come of it? You know what I mean? Like, as I come, if you look at my Twitter line, again, yo, you know, hit me up at Honest Talib on Twitter. You're not going to see me, like, every day talking about, like, what 45 did or what he said or blah, blah, blah. Because he's found a way. And I don't know if it was Putin who taught him this, but it's definitely working. The idea of just constantly throwing mud at the window to the point that you stop wiping the window. Like, because you know, like, if you go so hard on wiping the window on Monday, knowing it's going to get just as dirty on Tuesday. At what point do you just be like, all right, fuck it. It's a dirty window. You know what I mean? And that's what he's doing, you know, with his tweets, with his antics. I mean, look at the situation that he did um, with the uh, attorney general. Um, you know, it that that was all like, fluff just to get people off kilter you know um i forget the dude's name but you know he was on cnn talking about how he would basically defund the Mueller investigation to the point that it would just uh, grind to a halt you know that was the way that he would um stop it without you know outright stopping it or just defund it you know and then he elects that guy whose name escapes me right now. I mean, not not elects, excuse me, appoints that guy, attorney general, and everybody's in a huff. Oh, 
you know, and now a former Bush um, attorney general is going to uh, go through the process um, and uh, see if he's going to end up being attorney general. Like, you know what I mean? Like, all of that it was... I'm not saying don't make any noise, but I think people were kind of jumping out the window on it because he wasn't getting confirmed and there were so many ways to block him. And it's just like, you know, the people in position to do the blocking, do the blocking. You know, Twitter doesn't need to set its hair on fire for shit like that. You know, I mean, the same stuff with Manafort. It's all going to just be fluff, you know. But, um... And the one thing I will say about the people surrounding Trump is I know that they're looking at Trump as like this wayward child that they are trying to, you know, uh, stop from making like a bigger mess than he's already doing. Like, you know, a rambunctious child that just can't sit still. I just wants to destroy everything. But the one thing that I would say is that it's like you can, you know, put yourself on a pedestal and look at yourself as someone who's defending the country by doing all of this. And then you come out um, and, you know, you either leave or you get fired. And then you got all this shit to say. And then it's like, but yo, weren't you the one lying to us with a straight face? And I'm and I'm talking mainly about the fact that now that John Kelly it um has uh is about to leave or just left. I'm I'm not sure. But I I know he's out of there like pretty soon or already gone. And um Rex Tillerson you know, has been um, out for like nine months. And recently he did an interview and he was just slamming Trump. And I'm like, but, yo, when you were there, you were lying with a straight face, saying all it is, you know, stuff isn't true or, you know, going with the whole fake news thing or whatever the case is. Um, And, you know, not to believe the reports, not to believe this, and now you're coming out like you basically ha- more than half, you know, a large percentage of the reports that were coming out were true. Trump is as bad as the book Fear by um, uh, who I think it was Woodward that wrote that recent book. Like he's just as bad as the book um, portrays him to be. So it's like, okay, um, thanks for telling us what we already know, but just know that when you're appointed to be a CEO of another company and, you know, you're lying through your teeth again, don't get mad when nobody believes you because you was, you know, for Rex Tillerson, and I know you was there for more than a year, just outright bullshitting. And the same thing is going to go for John Kelly, too. You know, he was there um, towing the party line. And, well, unfortunately, now Donald Trump's party line, because I don't know what the fuck's going on with them Republicans. I mean, I never liked their policies for the most part anyway. But, you know, damn, like the way that you let this guy punk you into 
damn near a dict dictatorship is, woof, you know, uh, that is pretty sad. But, yeah, I'm not going to be surprised if um, John Kelly has some, you know, stuff to say about Trump and it's going to be like, oh, my God, can you believe he said that? Yes, we can believe it because all the reports were saying that this is what it was. So, like, why get, you know, like, caught up? Oh, my God. He, look at what he's saying. Yeah, they're all liars. Like, I'm pretty sure um, Sarah Huckabee uh, Sanders is going to, you know, have the similar, similar shit to say. And people are going to be like, but how could you lie through all your teeth? You know what I mean? It, it's the It's the forgiveness that whiteness allows that is letting this bullshit run because believe me barack obama or anybody representing him especially a person of color could not lie this much and people just go oh okay you know and then they tell the truth when they're out and they'll be like oh wow really you know what i mean like none of this would be happening with a person of color as the president um, or a person of color lying for the president, you know, like, uh, I mean, I think the only person of color or two was, um, uh, Amarosa and, uh, damn, doctor name escapes me right now, but Ben Carson. Yeah. You know what I mean? Those two, but they were, they were already laughable black people by the time the primary came, like they had no credibility with us. Yeah, you know, Carson did the whole thing with the twins, you know, shout outs to that. But that was like, what, 30 years ago? So, you know what I mean? You can't live off your old hype forever. You know what I mean? I mean, that's like, uh, <laughs> I don't even want to give an example. But anyway, um, yeah, so them lying i mean i don't even think ben Car what lie did ben carson say for trump because that dude barely talks i mean last thing i remember him saying was throwing his wife under the bus when all the uh expensive furniture in his office uh came up for review that's the last thing i remember him talking about you know what i mean like he he don't I'm not even going to sit here and say he lies. Like, he probably said a lie or two to get the job, but he ain't out there in the streets just lying his ass off. I mean, you got that um, that uh, preacher with the with the waves. Um, you know, he be wearing his wave cap on the pulpit. I, um, I don't even know that dude's name. I don't care to know. He, I know, lies for Trump a lot. But, you know... Nobody knew him before. I mean, at least on a national stage. Maybe he had a local buzz or whatever, but nobody knew him on a national stage before Trump. Nobody cares about him. And then Amarosa was a joke before. She was a joke during, and she's a joke after. So it's like, you know. But, yeah, you know, just all these white people that are getting these interviews and you know, and I'm sure if Rex Tillerson puts a book out, it's going to do more numbers than Amarosa. You know what I mean? Um, why it's going to do more numbers? 
I'm, you know, partly because he was the CEO, but definitely because of his whiteness, you know. And that's unfortunately why a lot of this, like, breaking news, all this stuff, like, if you're really banking on Trump getting in, like, some crazy-ass trouble, uh, I don't think you're going to be happy with the results of this. That's just my take, you know. Um... And, you know, stuff will keep coming and, and down the pike. And I'm pretty sure he will, whatever trouble he goes through with the Mueller investigation, he will be an electable candidate in 2020. And if that is the case, which I believe it will be, I, what the fuck does it matter what happens if he can still run for president in 2020 then as far as i'm concerned the Mueller investigation is a failure because considering the possible uh charges that can be levied levied against him i don't see how he should be able to be an electable candidate and run in the um the Republican primary. <laughs> I should call it the Trump primary because, like I said, the Republican Party is in shambles. But yeah, I'm pretty sure. And and the people who love Trump, if he is not behind bars, okay, or just um. Resigns from the presidency um, in lieu of going to prison. If those two things don't happen, the people who voted for him are still going to vote for him. And the problem that the Democrats still face and have not fixed in any discernible way is the gerrymandering of this country and the electoral vote giving too much power to rural motherfuckers who, you know, don't have a neighbor for fucking miles. And it's like, how does their voice fucking out, um, you know, outshine the voices of the many? You know what I mean? A motherfucker with, like, farmland as far as the eyes can see and shit. Eagles can't even fly as far as his f fucking property from his property to the next neighbor and whatnot. But... He has a bigger say or she, this family, these people have bigger says than the people in populated areas where shit really matters more. I'm sorry. I, you know, if something affects four people, you can't make laws that like cater to them and not cater to the millions who move to the city like that. That shit don't make no sense. But Democrats haven't dealt with that. If Trump is still electable, there's a good chance he can win because of the way that this all is set up. Same way, um, you know, he got elected the first time, you know, uh, and <laughs> the Democrats had a rush of good candidates going back from Clinton. Okay. You had Clinton, you had Gore, you had Kerry, then you had Hillary, 
than Obama, if if you're looking, um, you know, uh, in six succession of uh, rise to fame, you know, Hillary, then Obama, then Obama won, but then Hillary was still there. And now it's kind of like, and she, you know, lost. Now, who? You know what I mean? That's the question. Um, Like, who? Um, And for the fact that we still don't have a strong candidate, we're about to enter 2019 in a couple of weeks. And there's still not a strong, viable candidate on the Democratic side. Again, if this Mueller investigation doesn't make him run from the presidency or put his ass in jail, we're going to be in the same place. All right. Mm-hmm. So that's my take on that. Um, something else I wanted to jump into right quick um, mm-hmm. is uh, the whole Kareem Hunt thing with the NFL. Um, saw the tape, saw the video. Shit was crazy. Um, I believe that the woman's story and Kareem's story, along with his people, can both be true. That uh, she was picked up and um, from wherever she they came from to hook up with one of his boys. At some point, she didn't want to. Didn't have um, had the right to say she didn't want to. Um, but maybe liquor was involved, who knows? And at some point she used the N word, um, in anger towards them for trying to force her to, um, get with one of Kareem's boys that lit a fuse under him. And then he went overboard. You know, now I'm not saying that a white girl, you know, using that term in anger because she doesn't want to get with somebody shouldn't uh, uh, argument can't ensue from that. You know, that is light fuse worthy. You know what I mean? Like I ain't expecting the motherfuckers to stay calm in that situation. But him being. I mean, you know what? Forget him being a football player. Him being a man, okay? Football players on some extra shit, but him being a man, he shouldn't, uh, you know, socked her like that and then just kicked her on the ground. I mean, the kick, to me, I didn't think it was like a super hard kick, but I think it was a kick of, um, how can I put it? A kick of disgust and disrespect, like, you know, like you're on the ground after a fight and I kick you cuz I just think you're a piece of shit not like I'm kicking you to like inflict more harm mm-hmm. either way I I mean I'm explaining a little too much on this bottom line he was way off for doing that um it's good that uh no team decided to just jump and pick him up when he was on waivers because that definitely would have been a bad look, especially what the um, Washington football team did to uh, pick up Reuben Foster. That um, was completely unnecessary. I mean, 
being on the uh, commissioner's exempt list prevents these players from even playing this year, especially when it's this late in the season. Like, it doesn't even make sense to pick them up and get the bad PR uh, for what? And so the, the next team can't pick them up and get the bad PR this year? Like, it's a stupid play. So I'm glad some teams, well, all the teams so far, are smart enough not to do that with Kareem Hunt. I do want to say that Kansas City's fans, you know, like I said, I'm a Bears fan. I'm an irrational Bears fan. But, you know, what I saw in terms of some of the hate mail that TMZ got for uh, retrieving the video, like, why blame TMZ? They they did not fabricate a video. You know, they, they uh, procured a video that was already in existence. And uh, Kareem was interviewed about it and admitted to what the video showed. So it's not like TMZ had anything to do with taking Kareem Hunt down. They're a news source of sorts who happened, I guess, thinking about it. I think that they're willing to pay for the video, whereas the NFL and, you know, police departments aren't. So they tell those people to get a subpoena to get it, which is, you know, a lot of legwork to get that done. And, you know, sometimes police departments don't want to go through the trouble, so they don't. And so the videotape just sits there languishing. And, you know, I seriously doubt that TMZ just got away with people to just get the videotape. I'm pretty sure they're paying for it. And that's the difference. And it's like to the NFL, I would say, you know, the NFL is so many times more richer than TMZ could ever wish to be. So they can afford to pay for these tapes. And the PR hits that you take when you don't get the tape for Ray Rice, when you don't get the tape for Kareem Hunt, is way more than the... I don't know, $50,000 or whatever, $20,000. Hell, even if it was $100,000, whatever they pay to get that tape. Think about how much um, viewership TMZ is getting because they were the only news source to have the tape. So when NBC, ESPN, CBS, everybody is showing video of that tape, they have to say courtesy of TMZ. So then people are going to TMZ. So they're getting revenue. They paid a little bit and got a lot out of it. You understand what I'm saying? So y'all need to pick up on what this game is and understand that if their allegations is somebody did something in something that is heavily videotaped like a hotel lobby or a hotel um, hallway, yo, Go through the trouble, pay the motherfuckers, get the tape, see what it is, and you be the f people on Front Street saying we're going to do X, Y, and Z based on what we saw before any other news outlet can beat you to it. That's all I would say to the NFL. Seriously, I need to step your game up with this. This is getting ridiculous. And I want to say one quick thing about that Ray Rice video because, you know, Obviously, I wasn't doing podcasts when that thing dropped. 
the craziest piece of that video to me was after he straight duffed his, I guess, then fiance. The look on his face was just like, oh, well, she, you know, she's knocked out. Let me drag her ass out the elevator and, or drag her in. Whatever he did, like, but he dragged her, her limp, lifeless ass, you know, like this was some commonplace shit. Because to me, I know first time I ever knocked somebody out, I was hype. You know what I mean? I was fucking hype. It, um, it certainly was no woman. But the first time I knocked the dude out, I was like, you know, like, whoa. I'm looking at, you know, I'm feeling like, oh, shit, like, I got the pot and okay. You know what I mean? Like, when I'm not saying he should have been hyped ex in an excited way. I'm saying he should have been, there should have been a look of surprise. If this was the first time you struck your girl so hard that she is completely knocked out. Like, but the fact that his face didn't change told me a lot. I don't know how many people picked up on that. I wasn't reading everybody's thought pieces on the situation, but I just thought that that was indicative of some way more, of, you know, of a problem than people immediately were talking about. Anyway, um, but I will also say to women um who are fans of the NFL y'all got to do more when it comes to women being abused whether it's their girlfriends their wives or some random girl that they met at a club whatever y'all got to do more in terms of organization because i remember what happened to michael vick and i will tell you just from you know, a a, a a bystander watching the news as it happened. I saw more women outraged at the dog fighting than men. You know what I mean? Like, there were women who I couldn't say for sure were fans of the NFL that were coming out against Michael Vick. You know, um, and so I would just say, like, if as a woman... You want to see the NFL act better because believe me, I mean, think about it. Since Michael Vick, when have you heard anybody involved with cruelty to animals? Not just dogs, just animals. Like, you got to think about that. That whole, I'm not going to sit here and say it stopped and it's like 100% pure. But whatever is going on is so fucking minimal compared to what it used to be. Because I'm going to tell you, dog fighting, you've, I'm sure people have seen reports. That stuff goes on in these states. Like, y'all need to stop thinking it don't. Like, Mike Vick stopped. I'm sure a lot of people making millions in the NFL stopped or really, really are more careful about it. But, um, like, the, the outcry from people, NFL fans non-football fans just was so big that it really changed the climate in a way that I don't see, unfortunately, when it comes to women being abused. I mean, maybe it happens too much and, you know, 
people ain't got time to like protest every single time they hear of an incident. I understand that that can be the case. Unfortunately, this you know I don't know if it's an American thing, but I definitely see it in America when things happen too much. People just kind of you know, but whatever the first case was, like I mean I will say Ray Rice was the first case I remember that there was videotape. I don't recall the vitriol for Ray Rice being on the same level like it was for Mike Vick. You know what I mean? And I don't know how many videotapes there have been since Ray Rice. I know there have been incidents like Ruben Foster and some others. But in terms of actual videotape, you know, if I'm wrong, I'll be wrong. But I think um, Kareem Hunt was like the next one. And again... So, you know, we're talking about two incidents with videotape and the vitriol is there, but it's not to the level of Mike Vick. And I'm just saying, if y'all want to see change on that, I think y'all need to come out as strong because nobody had to push people who were animal lovers like, yo, y'all need to really come out strong against Mike Vick. People just took up arms. I'm not talking about like guns, but you know, they took up protest signs. They, they started marching on their own. They didn't need to be told anything. And the fact that I'm on a podcast saying, I think y'all need to do more. If you really want to get the NFL players to realize that hitting women, regardless of who they are or what they said is not, what they want to see, what we as fans want to see from our players, you know, y'all, you know, there needs to be more, um, more done. And uh, that's all I want to say on that. I, I'm going to move on because <laughs> um, one more piece of news that I did want to talk about because I, I, um, I don't know, this, this one right here is really... Uh, starting to irk me how some of these stories are coming out. Uh, with Neil deGrasse Tyson. Now, I want to first preface by saying the most, the oldest of the allegations is a rape allegation. If Neil deGrasse Tyson raped the woman, uh, unfortunately, I don't know these women's names because. This news is relatively fresh to me. Um, but if that woman who claimed she was raped when they were in school together, I believe, uh, if that is the case, then he needs to be tried. And uh, if it happened and convicted, um, you know, like I'm not ever going to side with a rapist. But. And this is not to negate that statement, because that is a separate thing from these other two allegations. There's a woman who alleges that, I mean, well, it's not an allegation. She has a tattoo of the solar system on her arm. And she alleges that during some function, Neil deGrasse Tyson um, went up her arm looking for Pluto. 
Now, considering who the fuck Neil deGrasse Tyson is, that kind of makes sense that he would do that. Not to say that he has the right to do it. But I want to make sure that people don't put socially awkward situations in the same light, in the same vein as sexually abusive people. Okay, because that to me is just a socially awkward situation. You have a tattoo that runs up your arm. Some guy involved with astronomy wants to um, see the entire tattoo. Without asking you, he attempts to see the tattoo, but at no time does he touch any parts of the body that would be considered sexual assault. So it's awkward. It's a socially awkward situation. If you want to say, yo, you know, make sure you tell him, don't touch me. You know, when you're around him, you say, call him, he kind of a creep, you know, I get all those things, you know what I mean? But being a creep doesn't raise to the level of a trial of any sort, whether it be civil or criminal. It, it, you know what I mean? Like, so that's the thing that I don't like about, because I, I don't know if, um, I know that the woman who alleges the rape has been alleging it for a long time. And whoever these reporters are who came up with these two other stories, well, I'm not going to say it's two other stories because that's giving it an, um, like, I think it's false. I'll believe both situations, but it's just, to me, they don't raise to like, we shouldn't be talking about the rape allegation and these two other situations in the same breath because those two situations don't prove that he raped anyone. You know what I mean? And the fact that he may have raped someone doesn't make those situations more heinous because I'm pretty sure I would put money on this that those two women making the more recent allegations do not even know the first woman. So it's not even like, oh, I heard he was a rapist and then he did this. So now it feels worse to me that he touched me. And that's not even what's going on here. Um, the second situation, um, if I remember correctly, uh, he gave an awkward handshake. Um, that he claims he learned from uh, someone in an indigenous tribe. And he gave this handshake. Now, if the handshake remains on the hands, as weird as the handshake may be, I don't see if it's hands on hands, not mouth on hands, not penis on hands, you know, nothing crazy. If it's still hands on hands, I don't see how that raises to the level of uh, sexual inappropriateness uh, or anything like that. It's, you know, it's, again, socially awkward. And I think we need to recognize that, I mean, like, um, 
dude, uh, Sheldon from Big Bang. Intelligent, socially awkward. If you run into a socially awkward situation with him, just understand he's socially awkward. You know, the, the Sheldon character represents so many people in our society who, as smart as they may be in one field, does not automatically make them socially smooth characters. You know, and they're going to be socially awkward situations. So, again, with this handshake, okay, it's something that people from a particular indigenous tribe do. This woman wasn't prepared for such a handshake. It felt awkward. Okay. It felt awkward. Discuss it right there with the man and move on. You know what I mean? Like, this is not something that needs to be in the press. Like, you know, and, but this is why I think in situations like this, I think people, you know, want to see their name out there because that means nothing. Um, a handshake. Um, I mean, I remember a long time ago, a woman who happened to be about six years older than me um, gave me a handshake where she scratched the um, the uh, center of my palm while giving me a handshake. Um, at the time, I didn't know what it meant. I was told later that it meant that she wanted to have sex with me. I didn't know. I'm still not 100% sure that that's actually what it means. Maybe I should Google it one day. You know, I mean, it was a long time ago before Google existed. So, you know, um, but even if it was, and let's just say I didn't though. Um, yeah, let's just say I did it. It, it happened. Nothing else happened. You know what I mean? I can talk about it as a socially awkward situation. If this woman happened to become famous, I'm not going to be running to the press like, oh, my God. You know, she scratched the middle of my palm while shaking. You know what I mean? It's like, it was like something I wasn't used to and kept it moving. And I believe this same woman um, claimed that he expressed a desire to hug her, but said that if he did hug her, he would want more. And uh, Neil's... Uh, explanation to that is that he does remember that encounter um he remembers the handshake he remembers the tattoo thing you know so he's not even denying any of these socially awkward situations the rape he is denying um but uh you know the other uh two two more recent incidents he does recall and he's saying that yeah he did say that and he was just expressing to her his restraint, but still expressing his affinity for her in a sexual manner. Again, like, if you're in that situation, it, does it feel awkward? Sure. If you don't want to have sex with this man, if you're not interested in this man, or even if you're interested, you know he's married, so, you, you know, you're not even thinking about him like that. Whatever the case is, yeah, it can be awkward, but... Why run to the press about it? He's telling you that he's not going to hug you because he's want more. So then the hug never happened. He's telling you something like, when did exp you know what I mean? Like if you if if we're at a point in this society that someone can't say, "Yo, 
I find you attractive and therefore I don't want to hug you. If we're at the point that that can no longer be said without someone's life being scrutinized and what else did you do? You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know because I the, we're getting too far away from just understanding that not every interaction is going to go perfect. You're not going to walk away from every interaction with every human being and not feeling awkward sometimes. Hell, Thanksgiving can be awkward. You know what I mean? Christmas with the family can be awkward. You can find yourself in awkward situations. You're not running to the press because of an awkward situation. Now, if... A family member that's trying to get sexual with you, yeah, run to the police, run to the, do whatever. But, <laughs> it, it, you know, we got to allow for awkwardness to just be awkward. Talk about it. I'm not saying sweep it under the rug. It happens. It's awkward. You feel some kind of way. Discuss it with the person. But then at some point after the discussion, you either forgive or you never want to see that person again, you know, and that's that, you know what I mean? As long as it didn't violate you. Now, I want to go through a few body parts here. You tell me if there should be more that uh, no one should ever touch without your permission. I would say going from the head down, I would say lips, neck. Uh, obviously ch chest, belly button, fupa area, you know what I'm talking about, privates, buttocks, knees, and then feet. Anybody fucking touching your toes without permission or the, you know, the under part of your foot, you know, that, that, yeah, that's a little, yeah, you can say some shit about that. Um, and, de and definitely all the other body parts, but I'm saying, or in the inner part of your thigh, definitely. But if, I don't know, you, you know, someone touches your shoulder, I'm not saying they have a right to touch your shoulder. They have a right to touch your elbow. They have a right to touch your hand. Nobody has a right to touch you, but there's a difference between touching you in those other areas like your shoulder and considering it awkward rather than sexual. Now, if they put their mouth or tongue on any part of you <laughs> that you did not want them to, yeah, it's all sexual. You know what I mean? If they put their mouth on your ear, your forehead, whatever the case is, you know, yeah, that's all. But I'm saying if their hands touch your forehead, it's not a sexual problem. It's not a sexual situation. It's could be awkward, you know, but it's not sexual. Your elbow is not sexual. Oh, my God, he touched my elbow. I need to run to the press. Or, you know, and vice versa. If a dude says the same shit, oh, my God, I can't believe how she grabbed me by the elbow. You know, how dare she? The fuck out of here. So, you know, we got to get back to some rational thinking when it comes to interactions between humans. Not everything is going to go perfect and you can't, you know, 
jump out the window because you had an imperfect uh, interaction with another human. It, it, you know, we need some leeway here because I, I feel really bad for the Sheldons of the world. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> believe me, I mean, and we don't look at Neil deGrasse Tyson as a Sheldon, but in a lot of ways he is. He just happens to be in the relative space of astrophysicists a little bit cooler than your average astrophysicist. So we give him cool points that he really doesn't deserve. He ain't as cool as y'all make him out to be. He is awkward. So he's going to have awkward experiences with him. And I promise you, I promise you, I don't know the man, but I promise you. This dude definitely has had more awkward situations than a little bit that more people than not have just been like, you know what, that was awkward, moving on. You know, it just so happens these two people decided to, you know, talk to reporters about theirs. But I'm telling you, someone like Neil deGrasse Tyson is more of a Sheldon than he is... Uh, Morris Chestnut, you know what I mean? So, uh, he's going to have awkward situations. And I think, again, you know, we, we as a society just need to fucking relax and breathe. And not everything needs to go to social media. Not everything needs to go to the news media as a story, you know. So, yeah, that's my little, uh, you know, spiel on that. And uh, that will be the end of the news. Coming up, what the fuck of the week. All right. All right. The last bit that I want to get into is the what the fuck of the week. And although I've missed many what the fuck moments since the last episode, this one came straight out of Twitter just recently. Like I saw it a um, few hours ago, uh, maybe, you know, <laughs> This got uploaded, I'm going to say, probably yesterday, or mm -hmm. day before, I'm not sure. But basically, it's this white girl that they're calling Jenny Trification, short Jen Trification, get it? Uh, she's in front of Marcy Projects in Brooklyn. For those of you who don't know, that is Jay-Z's childhood home. Those projects is where he grew up. Um, and so, and, you know, for a long time, these were considered some rough streets. So, I can't say that I've been in that area in a while. So, I don't know what's going on out there right now. But uh, 
she was out there, you know, sunny, right in front. Like, you could, the reason why you know it's Marcy Project, she is literally standing in front of the sign saying, welcome to Marcy Project. So, she definitely knew what she was doing, pardon me, um, being in front of that sign. So, she is dancing her ass off. And when I say dancing her ass off, do not mistake what I'm saying as she was dancing well. What I'll say is that she was dancing with a lot of energy. Now, you can find this video, I'm sure, mm -hmm. online somewhere. Uh, I know I retweeted it on my timeline. You can hit me up at, at Honest Talib. Um, and that's with two A's, by the way. Honest, T-A-A-L-I-B. Again, honest, at Honest, T-A-A-L-I-B. Okay. Um, hit me up there. You could see it. You could probably see it other places as well. Uh, if you want to see it on my timeline, I think you type in my name and type in either Windmill, uh, Millie Rock, you could type in a few things, Harlem Shake, uh, whatever, um, let me see, Windmill, it was about the three things that, uh, I mentioned on there, because I was critiquing her dancing, you know, as someone, I mean, I've always been a big boy, but since the days of, you know, b-boying, um, you know, early hip-hop, through all the era of like the Steve Martin, the WAP and all that, you know, those dance steps of that era. Um, I was always into dancing and I'm not saying into dancing like a spectator. I was a dancer, like, like a heavy D, if you, you know, an unknown heavy D, if you will. Um, broke ass heavy D. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, so, yeah, I was always into dancing, so, yeah, I critiqued it, and basically, she was doing the Millie Rock, but her Millie Rock was so fucking whack, because it was like, the only way I can explain it is when you see people who have the ability to learn choreography, but don't really dance well on their own. It's like, that's what she was doing. Someone taught this woman, this woman, girl, I don't know how old she is. I mean, she's not 30, but I don't think she's 15 either. Um, whatever she is uh, in terms of age, uh, someone taught her. And so she was doing it and it, it didn't come out right. It, it was too robotic. There was no swag to it. You know what I mean? Um, and then she started to do the Harlem Shake. Now, because the Harlem Shake is more lock, move, lock, move, lock. You know what I mean? There's a lot of pausing in there. So it's, if you have it down, like as a robot, it's easier to do than the Millie Rock. Even though the Millie Rock is actually an easier dance step to learn. The Harlem Shake is easier once you get it to do it well because 
there's so much minor pauses in it that you're not really flow the, the flow is not continuous because these micro pauses in it that caught that you have to do in order to perform the Harlem Shake actually for someone with no swag you can actually pull that off a little bit better than a Miller Rock so she's doing these two dances and like I said I'm grading those two dances the way I grade them if you see it differently you can definitely hit me up and tell me why you think it's different better worse or whatever um but then she breaks into this windmill of like her arms are just flailing in this windmill motion that not only I, most people saw as like, you know, the head scratcher moment, like, you know, what? Like, what was, I mean, because to me, it's, it seems like she was there long enough and some kind of ghosts of ghetto past were like coming for her and she felt the energy of the you know of the ghetto ghosts and so she started doing this windmill to like fend them off because there was like no they, that's the other thing that i found funny about it is that nobody crossed the camera's path while she was doing her dance now her dance wasn't like super long it wasn't like four minutes long i, I would say it's somewhere between half a minute and a minute but no one crossed um the camera so you know like the windmill part of it was just like the what the fuck that was really the what the fuck moment of the what the fuck moment because the whole thing was a moment in itself but that part right there was just like wait what and then she had this goofy ass smile that does not denote hip-hop dancer it denotes like tap dancer doing the charleston you know what i mean just like you know uh all those dances from the 20s like ah look at me i'm down dancing that's the kind of face she had on the entire time like that face did not break regardless of she went from from one dance step to another dance step to another dance step, and that face continued so i don't know she's a hip-hop um, cheerleader or something i don't know what it is but that one was uh what the fuck and i don't know if white people want to move into marcy projects or they're just across the street from marcy projects moving into bed star i i don't know what's going on out there right now but <sighs> It, it's sad and it it's not sad that people are moving into marcy and i said this to somebody on twitter you know who was like why do black people or well he, he didn't say black people he's like why does our demographic always have to put people down when they use stuff that we invented or or whatever or it was handed down to us you know um if it's good, people are going to, um, you know, get into it. Paraphrasing what he said. So my thing to him and to anybody else who wants to, like, why are you coming for her? This is the problem. Whoever set that up, whether it was her or someone that works with her, knew that 
even though her Millie Whack, um, I said Millie Whack, her, her Millie Rock was whack as fuck, okay? Um, like I said, no swag. She was doing the steps, technically doing the steps, but was not doing them in a way that you would really say that she was doing a Millie Rock. You know, when I first saw it, I, I had to look at it twice to realize she was doing a Millie Rock. Um, but the fact that she's doing all these hip hop dance steps in front of Marcy Projects, I'm telling you, whatever team she has, and I'm not saying that she has a big team. It could be just two people, one person, whatever. They're trying to put her in a stratosphere that she doesn't belong because the kids who created the Harlem Shake won't get as much money as she can potentially get just for doing it in front of the Marcy Project welcome sign. You see what I'm saying? That's the issue that I and I know most people had with it because if she was in a dance studio doing those steps as whack as she was doing, I mean, the windmill was just crazy. Like I said, the Millie Rock, Millie Rock was whack. <laughs> Say that five times fast. Anyway, um, and her Harlem Shake was cool. You know, it wasn't the best Harlem Shake I ever saw, but I'll give her props. It was cool. I mean, she'd probably do it better than me. I ain't going to lie. But anyway, you know, if she did it in a dance studio, it'd just be like, oh, okay. She she learned a few steps. But the fact that she did it in front of Marcy Prada, people are trying to put her because they want that shit to go viral. And it probably will work. And unfortunately, by me... um. By me even talking about it, I'm probably helping the situation, but I'm just trying to illuminate a particular problem that, you know, black creators have when white people come in and want to swoop in and start doing our shit. Um, by doing that, she has the potential to make way more money than anybody involved with it who actually started it will ever do and case in point it just so happened like these stories are unrelated in the sense that they're not connected to each other um in a tangible way but they do correlate um that the man who created the millie rock to millie is currently suing Fortnite for putting that dance in their game i don't play Fortnite. um probably one of the few people on this planet that don't but from what i can guess i think in order to make your um character do certain movements you have to pay uh i remember this thing called second life real quick that um it was kind of like that um Second Life was, I'll get into that some other time, but basically you could go to a nightclub in Second Life and pull off like the newest dances and, you know, but you had to go to a store that sold dance steps so that it would move your avatar in a particular way and you'd have to pay a few 
uh, what was it, lending dollars. I'm getting too technical. But bottom line is, I, I don't doubt that Fortnite is the same, that you can't just go into Fortnite and your character knows how to do the Melly Rock. You have to pay in order for your avatar to be able to do that. And that's how they're getting paid. So these motherfuckers stole that dance and plenty of other dances from people who were primarily of color and they're making money off of that. And beyond the game probably being a fun game to play, I think a lot of people like the fact that you get to do these dance steps, um, you know, in the game. Playing Second Life, I remember that that was a big thing, that people wanted to go to a virtual club, put on the flyest gear they could, and bust out the flyest dances. That's what they wanted to do. That was a big thing. And motherfuckers who started early in Second Life, I don't know if Second Life is still a thing. I don't know. I haven't been on it in forever. But, um, oh, for anybody who remembers me on Second Life, I, I am Brew Ansar. B R U underscore A N S A R. That was me then. So, whatever. I doubt anybody remembers, but it is what it is. But that was a big thing, and people were making money. They were building nightclubs. They were buying land. <laughs> I'm getting a little technical on this. They were buying land, building nightclubs, virtual nightclubs in Second Life. And, and shit looked beautiful. Some of these clubs look like better than the clubs that you've ever been in. Um, and they'd have DJs there, um, live DJs that would be streaming their music from their house into Second Life so that you felt like you was really in a fucking club and people from all over the world would be in these clubs, these virtual clubs, dressed like to the hilt, you know, latest outfits on, and they would be doing the illest dances, but you had to buy the dance. So, like, Fortnite is kind of like, you know, um, like Black Ops meets Second Life in that sense that... You get to kill people with guns and whatnot. And at the end of the day, you, you, you get to do dances that I will promise you a good 85 to 90 percent of the people playing Fortnite could not perform those dances on their own. You know what I mean? So you get to do these things. So obviously they're getting money off of it. And, you know, I'm glad two Millie is suing them because they deserve their assets to be sued. And I hope everybody who can prove that they created um the dances um like uh what's my boy um JB Blockboy um if I'm saying his name wrong forgive me but he made the shoot dance that dance I fucking love that dance I hope he sued a ass or if not if they already gave him money cool if they worked out something that would be the best thing but if they stole his shit Yo, I hope that he sued him because that shoot dance, when I first seen that shit, I was like, yo, that was the first dance in a long time that I was like, oh shit, what the fuck? Yo, that shit look dope. I love the shoot dance. And I'm not saying JB Blockboy himself did it, but someone within his camp invented that dance. Because before that video came out, I ain't never seen that shit. And that shit look cool as fuck. Um, unfortunately, 
you know, my right knee, I ain't going to try to play with that. <laughs> but, you know, if I was playing a game and I could do the shoot dance, yeah, I'd pay a few dollars to let my avatar do that shit. It look cool. You know what I mean? When I see um that dude from the Pittsburgh Steelers, um, when uh, my man Brown, the wide receiver, you know, he scores a touchdown, he likes to do that dance. You know, that, that dance is cool as fuck. So the content creators, whether it be in movement, whether it be in writing, whether it be in uh, music or anything, you know, we can't let others come in and just take our shit and make way more money than we can on it. And that's what that represents, that white girl doing that. Because that the, 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 the star of that video is the Welcome to Marcy Project sign. She's the co-star. You know what I mean? Like, this, this sign is the, oh, shit, word, she's in front of Marcy? That's what it takes you. And then you start looking at the dance. And like I said, I already told you how I feel about that. But to anybody who wants to, you know, praise her for her dancing skills, it's like, man, please. She's just trying to get paid off of shit she ain't invent. And the best way to do it is, look at me. I'm hood. Check me out. I'm in front of Jay-Z's childhood home. You know what I mean? Like, you know, because next thing you're going to have some white girl. You know what? Queensbridge, I ain't been there in a long time, but I'm pretty sure it hasn't changed. So let that white girl go to Queensbridge and do that shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> but yeah, man, that's all I had to say about that. But yeah, y'all could see this um, dumbass doing it, her little routine online. It's going, unfortunately, I have a feeling it's going to go viral. And uh, but hopefully she don't get paid because hopefully people who know dance can look at her and be like, OK, yeah, you ain't you all right, but you ain't real. You know what I mean? To, uh, you know, quote Jay-Z. Uh, anyway, that's it on the what the fuck moment of the week. Look forward to doing more as the weeks continue and I'll be back. This time, I want to take out to uh, give some updates on myself because the uh, Watch the Progression podcast is about the progression of myself and others as uh, things get uh, better and brighter. Now, that is not to say there won't be pitfalls and stumbling blocks along the way, but uh, I just want to have my listeners uh gain insight on where i was when i started this podcast where i was even before i started this podcast and where i look to be going and uh the good and the bad of it all i also want to tell you that in future podcast episodes i will be having um some guests co-hosts if you will some guest hosts um from time to time um i was hoping to get someone that uh i've gotten cool with over the past few months on here because i'm 
know that she has a lot to say, but uh, unfortunately our scheduling did not really click for this by the time I was doing this episode, so I look forward to having her and others come on, um, speak to their roads of um, progression of, you know, where they started, whether it be in business, family, or all the above, you know, um, with their selves. Um, I know I'm saying I'm too goddamn much, but like, like I'm saying, <laughs> this is the second episode and future episodes, it's only going to get better and brighter. So like I said, watch the progression. That is exactly why um, I'm doing it this way, because I saw a saying somewhere that the best time to do something you wanted to do was yesterday. And the second best time is today. And that's why you can listen to the first podcast. And I'm pretty sure this one's a little bit better than the first because when I saw that, I was like, yeah, man, I'm too much into my head as to when and why I should start a podcast this way and that way. So it was just like, you know what? Got the title for it. I'm going to just go. and I'm going to just do it. And we're going to get that first one out. I wish we could have got the second one out a little sooner. But as you heard, I've been through some shit. Uh, but. Like I said, I want to talk about some of the good news that's going on. Um, since I uh, left, um, since I came home, uh, the surgery went well, um, along with something else. I, um, there was this product that I purchased, um, expensive as fuck. Uh, it's called Juven, J-U-V-E-N. And I'm saying this for anybody who is dealing with wounds, who has come home from a surgery, who still has um, a surgical wound or whatever, you know, because I want to help as many people as I can, as well as um, gain from my listeners. And, you know, if you have any, just some positive words, or um, even if you want to debate, that's cool too, because believe me, I've never ran from a debate anywhere, but, you know, positive words or things that could help me if you have been dealing with some of the um, issues that I've been dealing with. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you, I didn't mention this before, but I am dealing with depression as well. You know, um, I am currently looking for a uh, a counselor to talk to. Um, prefer, preferably a, uh, psychologist, uh, who is, um, black, um, you know, I'm all black when it comes to like divulging who I am to the core core. Yeah. Uh, I'm not comfortable doing that with a, a white person. Just, you know, I can have a superficial conversation about myself but I'm not getting like deep, deep um, with that. But yeah, I'm currently looking for uh, someone who fits that criteria and takes my insurance. So again, if um, anybody out there has some good information on that, um, please help. But uh, and that's what I want is a good exchange for people 
who are going through things. Um, as I have guests who come in and uh, partake in this uh, podcast, they will also have either information or will be looking for help with on their situations. And that's what I want is a, a good exchange so that the progression isn't only my progression, but it's our progression. And you can watch your own progression as this uh, podcast continues, as well as watch mine. Now to, um, like I said, the good news, um, to go backtrack, I'm sorry, kind of diverted there for a minute. Uh, this product, Juven, it is made by, made by the makers of Ensure. Now, if you're vegetarian, I don't think this would work for you. I'm not 100% sure. You got to read the ingredients. Um, but uh, yeah, even though I was a pescatarian from 1998 until 2014, um, yeah, I've gone back to, uh, you know, poultry and even red meat. I don't do pork, but anyway. So this product um, has stated that... Uh, within two weeks it would heal most wounds and that goes for not just lymphatic wounds like i said it, it claims that it works with surgical wounds it works with diabetic wounds it works with like so many wounds because it's just so such a high potent uh concentration of protein um it comes in a powder form that you can mix into different uh liquids uh i was pr mostly mixing it into um i think the best thing is if you don't have a shaker that you could shake it in um on a daily basis while taking it is like hot water you know like just hot water without the tea um just mix it in it's a little bit sweet um but i it's not um I think it's artificial sweetness. It's not, uh, um, it won't raise your blood sugar as far as I remember. Like, because you got to remember, it's, um, I've been home since before Thanksgiving and I ran out of it, uh, right before I came home. So it's, um, so I don't have it in front of me. But you can definitely look it up again. It's J U V E N, and uh, with so with the surgery and taking that, uh, the wound on the bottom of my foot is completely healed. I've been going to my vascular surgeon uh, for about three weeks now since I've uh, left the um, rehab facility. Oh, there's some. There were a couple of appointments that I did do while I was in the facility. Oh my God, there's a car crash to talk about. Okay, believe me, I will do. Uh, if y'all really want to hear, I can do a whole, not a whole episode, but I can go so deep into my experiences at that physical rehab place. But I won't. I'm not gonna diverge into that right now. But anyway. Um, like with the three appointments that I had, um, the first one, it, the, uh, wound was just a centimeter, um, less than a centimeter, uh, high 
and uh, about 0.3 centimeters wide. And by the next appointment, it was completely healed. So uh, I do want to say that I do think the Juven had a lot to do with it. And the reason why I can say that is because, unfortunately, I had this wound last year and a, a similar surgery was performed then and it didn't take. And I did not know of the existence of Juven then. And I went through a lot of unnecessary crap dealing with th that surgery and it not taking and just... 2018 was just a rough year for me and so when I find myself in the position to be um under the knife again I just wanted to research everything I could about wound healing and that's how I came across this product and uh I do think that um for anybody dealing with uh you know wound issues you should definitely look that up. And if, you know, Juven is definitely expensive. Um, a three-week supply, because you take it twice a day. So it was, um, what is that? Like a, no, actually, it was three and a half weeks because it was a 48-pack supply. So, yeah, it was about three and a half weeks. Cost about $150. So that is definitely expensive. And I totally get if people find it hard to afford that. But I was in a desperate situation for myself. I could not be dealing with that on and on and on. So I went through and bit the bullet and bought that. So, um, But there was other products that I've um, that I tried that worked, but maybe not as fast. The other product was... Um, a liquid protein um, that really is thick and it is coyingly sweet. I swear to goodness, it would taste great on pancakes. It is like the consistency of like honey or a really good syrup, not even pancake syrup. I'm saying like straight out the maple tree out of Canada syrup. Okay, like like it is it is thick. And I would say like you know, buy those little um one ounce cups, those medical cups, pour out you, you know, your um dosage, which is one ounce, like uh I think it's three times a day. Um you know, but have a lot of water with you. You know, cause mm -hmm. that stuff is ugh. But it, it it does work, but it doesn't work as fast as the Juven, in my opinion. Um, you know, I'm not a medical professional, so, you know, definitely talk to a medical professional before taking anything. But, um, yeah, this other product was called ProStat, P-R-O-S-T-A-T. And uh, it comes in different flavors. Both are available on Amazon. Um I'm sure there are other places that sell these products and maybe you can get it for cheaper than what Amazon sells. Or maybe you can um, work out a deal with uh, your pharmacist uh, 
you know, um, oh, with the pro stat, there are two levels to it. There's so there's going to be two price points. One is like a maintenance version of um, pro stat. And then there's one that is like a more potent version, obviously more expensive. So, you know, dealing with your budget, you know what you can afford to use. And But if you're dealing with wound issues, definitely look into those two products because I know for a myriad of reasons how uh, limiting having wounds can be. Um, and if there's any information that I can give or that I receive from my listeners, I will pass on you know, to help people with any of that. So, you know, that's like good news number one on my part. Wound healed. I'm good. So that is actually helping me move into the good news part number two and three. Good news part number two is after some hard research, been out there trying to look for sneakers so I could go to the gym because uh, I will say about the physical rehab places that I was um, in May and most recently in uh, early November, uh, even though like the residency parts of these places suck ass, uh, the one in Brooklyn way worse than the one in Manhattan, just got to put that out there, but uh their physical rehab places were actually like the respite in your daily routine in both places like it. But there was a drop off in, how can I say, maybe not the level of education, but you know what? In a layman's way, I will say level of education in terms of the type of exercises that could be done to build the body back up so but it was still a better place to be than you know just um watching tv in bed and you know dealing with that all day but so i did feel a lot better being there and i'm walking around currently in these post-op shoes if you're not familiar with post-op shoes you can look it up on google they're basically these shoes that are open toe um, with straps, but because my feet are pretty long and they're wide, um, because of that, uh, you know, my my toes actually jut out a little bit more than the biggest size available, even with those. So these are not like shoes that I really want to go out in, and I've been in these shoes for a long freaking time. So part of the reason why it was hard for me to find shoes was because of um, where certain wounds were located. And so I just couldn't look for the biggest shoe available and slip them on and think everything was going to be okay. But now that the wounds are healed, I have found a place where um, I will be able to get some sneakers, some uh, customized sneakers, and... uh, Probably some shoes, too. Um, But the main thing is, because I want to be back in the gym, I do feel a lot better in the gym than even at home. 
I'd, you know, I could spend my day doing some regular stuff at home, but I would cut out a lot of time to be in the gym because the results are there and I'm, you know, I got to give thanks to the most high that even in my early 40s, I can still um, benefit from the gym. And I know that's weird to say for some people because they're like, you know, you're not that old and whatnot. But unfortunately, when you're dealing with all these um, issues, you know, it does slow you down. So I just um thankful that I can still be in the gym and still see improvement and do things that, you know, two weeks ago I didn't think I could do. And then, you know, working, working, working out and I'm doing those things and it's like, okay, I'm getting better. And so it, that was like the kind of catch 22 about being in these physical rehab places because I could be in my post-op shoes in there because I'm being monitored by a physical therapist or a occupational therapist. So me being there with those um, type of shoes wasn't a problem. Um, my brother, who um, shout out to Renault, DJ Renault, he's out there um, doing his thing, making music and spinning, all you know, all around. Uh, you know, we had a conversation, and he told me that um, basically. I wasn't going to be able to go to a gym in post-op shoes, which made sense, but I didn't think about it because the first time I was in the gym in a long time was, you know, at these facilities. So they didn't question my shoes, so I didn't question it, but it does make sense that I wouldn't be able to go there. So mm -hmm. with that being said, um, you know, Getting sneakers uh, was a priority. But in May, when I still had the wound, it was still an issue to just be able to get sneakers that were my size and, uh, you know, just go to a gym. But now the wounds are healed, so I will be going to the gym. And so part of the progression that, you know, I look forward to talking about is my uh, strength um, getting better. I mean, my upper body strength, when I was at these places, they were like, oh, okay, you're a pretty strong guy. So, you know, I had lost a lot of that, but I could always get stronger. But definitely getting my lower body, um, my legs stronger. So hopefully, you know, part of the progression will be, you know, no more walker, no more cane and just walking around regular getting around like some regular people. But we'll see, you know. Um, gotta knock on wood on that. Oh, damn, I ain't got no wood around me. But anyway. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so that is um, good news number two. And uh, final good news uh, that coincides with the wound being uh, healed is that um, there are these uh, leg compression pumps slash massagers you can call them that help to 
circulate the lymphatic fluid in your body that causes people with lymphedema to have like swollen parts of their body like my thighs are like sw swollen as fuck um and my legs would be too if they weren't consistently wrapped like both my uh both my lower legs are wrapped from like the top of the from the bottom of the knee all the way to the toes just so um to keep the swelling to a minimum so my uh, lower legs are not swollen because of the wrapping but my my thighs are so these um pumps are put on your body um like twice a day i think for an hour each and it just massages and circulates the lymphatic fluid um i'm not sure if a masseuse can do it but I'm pretty sure an insurance ain't going to pay for that. And, um, you know, I honestly never got a massage from a professional. Um, like, I'm a good um, myself. I've been able to, you know, like, work out. And, like, starting with my family when I was eight, people were surprised at, like, how strong my hands were. Girlfriends, whatever. Uh, and, you know, um, because <laughs> being a big guy, I think some girls think like their hands are not won't be able to do it, so you don't get the offer all day. But you know, I've had it, and it's cool, but it's not professional. So it's like you know, I don't know. Um, considering where the swelling is, like you know, I don't know if I'm comfortable <laughs> with somebody just rubbing there and just like it not being leading to something else so i don't know if uh insurance would even pay for that so these things are supposed to work i've heard a lot of good things about them so hopefully that along with the weight loss will just you know look at a smaller version of myself because don't mind me don't get me wrong i like being a big guy but you know some of this weight can uh, come off and still Hold that big guy status, you know. Like I said on, you know, my new Twitter handle, I am the big boy season ambassador. It is big boy season. It is winter time. Get yourself a big boy. Hug it up. You know, get that cuddling and that loving on with your big boy. It is definitely season for that. I mean, you know, and I'm a moving like, you know, how we're trying to move black history. Like all every day should be black history. Every day should be big boy season. There is no not big boy season, but definitely, you know, right now it's super big boy season and, you know, you need to find yourself a big boy. Yo, let me, I'm telling y'all straight up, even though, you know, dealing with a few things, I'm out here, I look some, but, you know, <laughs> like I said, I got to look some women are into, so, you know, you can see the picture. Um, I take too much pictures though. Not the most photogenic motherfucker on the block, but whatever yeah so big boy season is in i'm looking to mm -hmm. look better feel better move better um you know and uh so yeah those are the uh good news pieces for this uh episode and hopefully real soon i'll be talking to you about the fact that the sneakers are here the fact that i'm in the gym you know and then that's what we'll be talking about like how much better I am getting, um, you know, all the time as I enter the gym because, you know, 
as fucked up as those places were, those physical rehab places, I do miss being able to just get dressed, go downstairs or, you know, go down long corridor and be in a gym. That that shit was cool. And that's how come, you know, one of my goals is to have a spot where I can put enough gym equipment in a second bedroom. So all it is is just waking up, you know, maybe get a little matcha tea going or something, you know, drink that, get in the gym and do my thing, get my breakfast afterwards, you know, start the day. But that's down the road. And this has been the good news segment. I will catch you on the next one in a minute. Wait for it. And I am back. And, uh, Gotta be honest with you. <laughs> I had to take them some wild ass piss. Oh man. Y'all you ever had one of them um pisses where it just feels like you were busting like a, a really good nut? Man, it was almost like that. But then once in a while once in a while, rare occasions, but I ain't gonna be mad at it. Sometimes I get these pisses that I've been holding for so long that it's like this damn near the same sensation of like you just came, but like a girl won't stop sucking. And it's just like, oh my God, like the waves of goodness that feels. And, you know, just one of those things I'm just throwing out there. I'm not going to talk about it for a long time, but, you know. Hit me up. <laughs> Hit me up if you've ever experienced that real, like that ongoing, constant orgasm feeling from taking like a, a wild piss. Because um, if it's just me, you know, I don't know. Maybe there's a ghost out here just, you know, every once in a while want to hook me up. I, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm tripping. Anyway, um, be serious for a minute because this is going to be like the last bit that I want to speak on in this podcast, on this episode, I mean, in this episode. Um, I just really want to get into, you know, why we as a people who are looking for progression, why are we here? Um, I, my personal take is that um, the story of the resurrection, um, you know, and I'm not going to, I'm not here to currently debate the merits of this story in terms of factual, historical accuracy, but, you know, I do believe that, how can I put this, even in the most cynical way, you can look at that story as a story of resurrection, not necessarily from the dead, but a resurrection from 
a situation where um, his best friend uh, told my Jesus, now for those of you who don't know, uh, his best friend uh, spoke as if they didn't know him. Um, he was abandoned and just, you know, forgotten about. Um, and, well, not forgotten about, but mourned, but, you know, publicly scorned and, you know, people turned their backs on him and such. And here he comes a few days later and the talk of him goes from a criminal who went against the government or just some rebel to this exalted level of reverence, you know. And I want to say that because, you know, even uh, others outside of the Christian line of the Abrahamic tradition still have a reverence for Jesus. Mm -hmm. The Hebrews, the Israelites do, and as well as Muslims. They, everybody from the Abrahamic uh, tradition, if you will, has a reverence for him. Now the Christians, you know, obviously elevate him to a level you know, he's one third part of God, if you will, whatever. Um, but the main point is that the resurrection is real in the sense that the resurrection is happening in everyday life. Um, you need to see that people fall and people rise and some of the greatest success stories have to do with failure um have to do with trials and tribulation you know um i don't know what it is about the human condition that stories of success upon success upon success without any trials just doesn't catch as well as stories of struggle and triumph. And I think one thing that even agnostics and atheists can look at this, you know, the resurrection story is just what happened on the physical plane. Like, take away, you know, uh, seventh heaven and all that stuff and going to hell and back to paradise or take away that part of it and look at a man who was betrayed by his best friend uh you know put put in front of a crowd of people versus a known criminal and they said let the criminal go free was jailed beaten stabbed whipped all these things, put on a cross, uh, left for dead, and came back. Now, again, I know atheists will like pick apart certain parts of that story, but all I'm saying is 
that that resurrection story is a story that when you're down, you can look at as something to ground you to keep fighting, to keep going. Because some, like I said, some of the greatest stories are those of us who have stumbled, who have fallen, who have failed, and have gotten back up. And this is a good portion of what I want to dedicate the time on my podcast to. And um, I will invite that if people have a story of uh, their own resurrection, um, you know, hit me up um, again at Honest Talib at, uh, on Twitter. Hit me up and, you know, we can talk about it and maybe you, you can uh, come on the show and uh, we can give stories of inspiration because the progression is the key. You know, it may not comes, it may not start off smooth. It may not uh, be smooth for the first few whatever, whatever measurement and time you want to use. It may not be smooth, but as long as the progression continues, that's the key. And that's why I believe I'm here. I believe that's why we are here. So I hope you take that little nugget and whenever you feel down, whenever you feel the weight of the world on your shoulders, remember that, you know, the resurrection is real. And that will be it for this episode. I would like to thank everybody who has taken the time to listen. And if you like what you hear, please subscribe, applaud, um, whatever your platform allows you to do to say that you like this episode. But definitely subscribe because I do want you to get notifications as to when the next episode will be available, hopefully you know, now that I'm back home and getting back into the swing of things, uh, I look forward to doing another episode um, within a week. Uh, and these uh, episodes are now finally available on Apple and Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify, Breaker, CastBox, Pod, Pocket Cast, excuse me. Radio Public and Stitcher. So, uh, I mean, that's not every platform, but, you know, some of these platforms. Shout out to all of y'all, but um, I'm just getting familiar with some of these um, other platforms. So that covers a wide spectrum of uh, platforms to listen to podcasts to. Um, tell a friend to tell a friend that this podcast, uh, if you enjoyed it, um, to listen in and again uh, please subscribe and whatever extra you can do on your platform um, applaud clap thumbs up whatever because I'm not familiar with every um, podcast platform um, hopefully in future months I will be uh, I will say that 
I am not yet available on Overcast, Podbean, and TuneIn. Um, I don't know what they're waiting for, you know. But if you happen to use one of those platforms or know someone that uses those platforms to uh, listen to podcasts, uh, hit those uh, people up that run those podcasts. Tell them that you enjoyed this one and that you want to hear that podcast on that platform. You know, because uh, I'm sure if they um, get word that uh, this podcast is becoming popular, they want to get in on the ground floor, you know. So uh, definitely hit those up again, Overcast, Podbean, and tune in and let them know that uh, you enjoyed this uh, podcast. This, you know, and it's going to be continuing. And again, again, I just have to repeat. Available on Apple, Google, Spotify, Breaker, CastBox, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Stitcher. And, of course, Anchor, which is the platform from which I am uh, creating this podcast. Uh, one thing about Anchor that I'm not sure other podcast uh, platforms do you, from what I can see, you can listen to the podcast segment to segment. So that's why, you know, as I move into a different um, topic or something, like I kind of, you know, sign off and come back in because I'm doing these by segments because I know I'm verbose. So, you know, uh, I'm not sure the exact length of this podcast but I'm pretty sure it's uh, pretty freaking lengthy. I mean, I had a lot to say. I've been gone for a while. So, you know, understand that, you know, you're getting the big meal. This is like the Thanksgiving podcast, if you will. Okay, so there's enough for leftovers, you know. Um, but with Anchor, I think you can listen to segment for segment. So, you know, get your little turkey in the beginning, your little, you know, get your gravy, then, you know, you come back for the macaroni cheese, you come back for the greens. You know what I mean? You could do it like that. Maybe the other podcast um, platforms do it that way, too. Uh, not sure about Google because I have Google and uh, I've never seen it broken down by segment. But then again, the podcast I listen to, uh, they, they don't. They just keep going. So maybe they, you know, maybe Google does it, too. But whatever the case is, if you want to hear it segment to segment, I definitely know Anchor has it that way. If others have it that way too, cool. If not, come to Anchor and you can get it the whole th Thanksgiving meal at once or break it down little by little, you know, and have your leftovers for tomorrow. So uh, I will leave you on that and uh, hope you're Weeks between episodes were good. Hope your Thanksgiving, if you celebrate Thanksgiving, went well. Hope your holidays, whatever you choose to celebrate, is going well or is about to go well. And I will see you in a little bit, hopefully a week. But we're going to see how this goes. Like I said, it's all in the progression. So I will catch you and I hope 
that you're progressing in whatever way you need to. And I'm trying to progress myself. I'm out.